It is a joy to be here. Man, I enjoyed this band, The Revolution. Didn't you like them tonight? Didn't they do a great job? Thankful for them. Glad I was available on a Monday night to come eat Chick-fil-A. Anybody else? And I'm really grateful for the sweet nectar. Where's he at? There he is right there. There's the sweet nectar man right there. Real lemonade disguised as sweet nectar, but my, it was good. Amen? Amen. I want you to go ahead and take your Bible. Open it up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to begin reading there at verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to think with me tonight about a word that Paul uses, and I believe he only uses it one time, but my, what a powerful word it is. It is the word stronghold. And when he uses it, he says that we are, or at least that we can, we are to tear down a stronghold. Well, what is it? And how do we tear it down? I want us to think about that tonight for a few minutes. How was it in the life of Paul? I guess it encourages me a little bit to know that Paul battled with things, and that is that he struggled with the flesh. He's going to talk about that in this passage. But he also gives us hope, and he gives us the means whereby we can win the battle. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, 5. Look with me, if you will. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What is that? We're going to talk about it in a minute. He says this is what we should do. Cast down arguments or imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against my knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And let's go ahead and read verse 6. And being ready, even the idea there is being eager to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What is this stronghold? Well, let me tell you what it's not. When I first began preaching this idea about strongholds, I remember saying that it was a picture of something that has a strong hold on your life. And while that's a good idea, that's not what Paul is talking about here at all. I do believe that the enemy gets a hold of us. I do believe that he'll destroy you if he can. I believe he'll wreck your marriage if he can. But the stronghold that I'm talking about and that Paul is discussing here is not literally about getting a stronghold on your life. It's a military word. It's a warfare word. And it simply means that somewhere the enemy has entrenched itself. Somewhere the enemy has encamped. Somewhere the enemy has fortified itself with fortification somewhere in my life, somewhere in my home somewhere in my family, and I believe also somewhere in some churches, somewhere the enemy has gained access, and somewhere he is making progress, somewhere he is fortifying myself, and yes, we could point out the obvious that some of these strongholds are any kind of sexual sin you can imagine, there's any kind of an addiction you can imagine, it's pornography, it's all those things that men find themselves in trouble with. But it's also worry. 
It's also doubt. It's also fear. It's anxiety. It's anything that robs us of our relationship with God. It's anywhere in our life that the devil entrenches himself, gains access, and makes progress in our life. Has anybody ever battled with a stronghold? Amen. Anybody ever lied on Monday night? Yeah. What stronghold is it that you battled with? Where was it that the enemy gained some access? Where is it that he made progress? What is it that he was using to tear down your life? What is it that he was using to tear down your home, your family, your marriage? And yes, Tim, I really believe that the enemy, if he can, he gains strongholds in the church. There are many good churches that are no longer strong because of the power of strongholds. We have over 100 men here tonight. I wonder how many of us are battling with something even tonight. And yeah, it might be those things that make the headlines. It might be those things that make the top 10 as far as statistics go. But what is it in your life? Where is it that Satan has defeated you? Where is it that you are battling a stronghold? Where is it that the enemy has gained access? Where is it that he is making progress? Is it in your personal life? Is it in your thought life? Is it worry? Is it doubt? Is it fear? Is there an issue in your marriage? Is there an issue in your family? Where is it that you have been drawn away by your own lust and enticed? And how do we deal with these strongholds? That's a military stronghold. It's, a, it's an area where that's been dominated by a particular group. But a spiritual stronghold is a place where the enemy has fortified himself in my life. And what am I to do with that? Paul says one thing. We are to tear down strongholds. But how do we do that? How am I going to, can I do it in my own power? Absolutely not. I'm going to need help. I'm going to need the power of God. And Paul says that I have weapons that are mighty through God. You have those weapons. Any of us that are a believer, we have those weapons. We don't have to live a defeated life. Do you believe that? We don't have to live a defeated life. We can, we can walk in victory. And that's not just a good idea. It's truth. You can overcome. How do we do that? That's a silly story, but it makes a point. I heard about the guy that went to see his pastor. He said, Pastor, I need your help. I'm struggling with the temptation. He said, there's this new lady at work, and I'm telling you, she's absolutely stunning. She's absolutely beautiful. Her perfume smells wonderful. She looks perfect. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm struggling. Man, I'm being tempted. I need some help. He said, I, we, we work in an office area, and she sits over near the water fountain. And every time I get up and go to the water fountain to get a drink, there she is. I can smell her. I can see her. Man, I'm struggling with temptation. It's every day. There she is. I wish she wasn't there, but every time I get up and go to the water fountain, there she is. What am I going to do? The pastor said, I believe I can help you. You think you can help me? I mean, I just walked in. You hadn't even prayed about it. He said, I think I can help you. The guy said, what do I need to do? The pastor said, well, first of all, quit going to the water fountain so much. Are y'all with me? Stop going to the water fountain. Some of us in this room, some of us including me, all of us, we would do well in the area of strongholds if we would just stop going to the water fountain. Wherever it is in my life that I'm weak, 
Wherever it is that I'm drawn away by my own lust and enticed, wherever it is that I'm struggling, wherever it is that the enemy has gained access and he's making progress and I know that it's wrong and I know that it's a sin and I, and I realize that it's a temptation, if I could just stop going to the water fountain, amen? What am I going to do with this stronghold? It reminds me of another silly story that I heard when I was 19 years old, but I've never forgotten it. I was 19 years old, and I was working at Citizens Bank in Hartzell. There was a lady there that had been married to a pastor for some 40 or 50 years. He had passed away. I had answered the call to the ministry. She was like a mother figure to me, and she pulled me aside and told me this story one day. Little boy's walking home from work, from school. Walking home from school one day, he's about seven years of age. He's walking about a half a mile from his house to the school. It's, a, it's an early fall day. There's a little coolness in the air. But still, it's warm outside, and he notices something up ahead in the path. And the closer he gets, he realizes it's not a stick, but there's a snake in the path. And as he walks up to the snake, the snake looks at him and speaks to him. The snake says, Psst, pick me up, pick me up. And the boy says, I'm not going to pick you up. You're a snake. My mama told me about you. I'm not going to pick you up. Snake said, I promise I won't hurt you. I'm cold. I'm a little cold, and I'm, and I'm not moving like I want to move. Pick me up and hold me against your chest and warm me up. I promise I won't hurt you. The boy said, no, I'm not picking you up. You'll bite me. And the snake said, I promise I won't. Just pick me up just for a few minutes and hold me. Let me warm up. And the little fellow said, you promise. Snake said, I promise. And so he reached down, picked up the snake, held it against his chest, and the snake began to warm up and it began to squirm around, and suddenly it bit him. He threw the snake down. He said, you bit me. You promised you wouldn't bite me. And the snake said, what do you expect? I'm a snake. Boy, I've not forgotten that. I'm glad that preacher's wife pulled me aside and told me that. Because I was 19, that's almost 40 years ago. And I can tell you guys, for 40 years, there's been snakes in my path. Can anybody relate to that? There have been snakes in my path. And there's been the temptation to have a conversation with the snake. There's been a temptation to believe the snake instead of my mama. To believe the snake instead of God, to believe the snake instead of what I know to be right. There's been a temptation a few times to pick up the snake, and sometimes I have. Anybody with me out there? There's a snake in our path, especially if we take God seriously. I think, again, it's the old preacher Vance Havner. He said, whenever a man takes God seriously, whenever a man begins to take the things of God seriously, he immediately becomes the target of the devil. And I want to tell you tonight, friend, that if you've decided to be a man of God, if you've decided to be a godly man in your home and in your family and with your children and with your wife, I can guarantee you there is a bullseye on your backside. You're the target of the devil. And this church is doing quite good, by the way. You can guarantee the devil's not happy with a church that's growing. Amen? You can guarantee the devil's not one bit happy when you got young men on the stage singing to the glory of God. The devil's not one bit happy with a hundred men on a Monday night that are here for more than Chick-fil-A. I know that's a draw, but really, surely, 
you'd like to hear something that'll help you in your walk with God too? So it's not just the Chick-fil-A and the sweet nectar. I don't even know his name, but that's what I'm going to call him from now on, Sweet Nectar. <laughs> oh, Sweet Nectar. <laughs> Boy, that's a rumble. I'd like to know what y'all are saying about him. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I just need to leave that alone right there. <laughs> <laughs> Stronghold developing right there. I hear you. What did Paul say to do? I think there's three things here. There's a whole lot that I want to tell you in 30 minutes or so. I think he's saying that we need to pull down what the devil has built up. Tear down strongholds. Stop going to the water fountain. I think he's saying that every thought must be caught. He says that. Bring your thoughts captive. You ever have thoughts you shouldn't have? Of course. Where do those thoughts come from? Especially when you've, been, when you've been walking with God and you prayed and you've been in the Word that day and then all of a sudden out of nowhere like a fiery dart, you have a thought you shouldn't have about her, about him, about it, about that. And you're having thoughts. That is a thought that must be caught. And not only do we catch it, we bring it captive, if you will, to the, in the presence of the Lord. It's the picture of repentance. It's a picture of giving our thoughts, our attitudes, our desires, and all that we are to Him, that God, we are desperately in need of your help. Because if we, if we don't catch those thoughts, we might act on them. Listen to what Elizabeth Elliot said. That's Jim Elliot's wife. Listen to what she said. Strongholds begin with a thought. That's why you need to catch your thoughts. A thought becomes a consideration. Have you ever had a hmm, consideration? You not only had that thought about her or about that or about them, you begin to consider it. Are you with me? A thought becomes a consideration. A consideration becomes an attitude. The attitude is, this is where I'm coming from, the attitude is, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof and I can handle it. Y'all with me? The attitude is, it won't happen to me. The attitude is, I'm strong enough to handle it. Are y'all with me out there? I get the idea that I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, I can handle anything the devil throws at me. A thought becomes a consideration. A consideration becomes an attitude. Suddenly, I, I think I can step off into this. Attitudes lead to actions. Before I know it, I'm in a situation that I never imagined I would be in with her or it or them. Actions become habits. Now listen to what she said about that. She said, a habit establishes a power base for the enemy, which is a stronghold. Now think about that. Where is it in my life 
that there is becoming a habit. Where is it in my life that a habit is developed that is dishonoring to God? It's an act of disobedience. It may be a habit of a thought I shouldn't be thinking. It may be the habit of a word I shouldn't be speaking. It may be the habit of a conversation I'm developing with someone at work that I shouldn't be speaking with. It may be the habit of texting with someone I shouldn't be texting. It may be the habit of some kind of social media relationship that I really shouldn't be involved in. Where is it that the enemy has established a power base? Let me tell you that again because I think it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Strongholds begin with a thought. A thought becomes a consideration. A consideration becomes an attitude. An attitude leads to actions. Actions become habits. Where is it that I've allowed something to settle in? Where is it in my life that a thought or an attitude or a desire or, or a word that I'm speaking or a relationship has come a little, become a little bit too comfortable and I know that it's dishonoring to God? It's a little something I don't want my kids knowing about. Are y'all with me on that? It's a little something I don't want my wife knowing about. It's a little something mom and dad don't know. It's a little something my church family don't. It's just a little something. It's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. If in the back of your mind you're lying to yourself and believing it, remember last night I preached a little bit of that. Sometimes I lie to myself and I believe my own lie. It's not that big of a deal, I'm telling myself. And if I'm having to tell myself it's not that big of a deal, it's a big deal. I drew a picture tonight of a stronghold. I know you're dying to see it. There it is right there. That's, that's a stronghold. Adrian Rogers said, Imagine that your life is a hundred acres. And so this piece of paper represents a hundred acres. He said, Imagine that your life is a hundred acres. He said, The devil only wants one acre. And he wants it right in the middle of who you are. Now, is that any different than allowing him to have it down here? Absolutely. It's all about influence. Where has this habit established itself in my life? Is it over here in the corner or is it at the center of who I am? See, the enemy wants an acre in my life. And you say, my goodness, I've given him 99% of my life. I'm 99% in. I'm 99% faithful. I'm 99% committed, 99% devoted. What is the big deal with one acre? Is it a big deal? It's huge. The enemy knows if he can gain a small victory, he has an opportunity for complete domination because he wants to influence everything around it. Influence. What is it in my life that I need to get rid of? Where is it in my life that a habit has developed? Where is it in my mind, in my speaking, in my language, in my actions, in my relationships? And it has become a stronghold. What am I going to do with this thing? Paul says, tear it down. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and right out there in your front yard overnight, someone has set up a camper. I mean, they got a clothesline up. They have washed clothes. 
They've got the canopy out. They're cooking bacon and eggs. Are y'all with me on that? Has that happened? True story. All right. Camper man, you and you and sweet nectar, would y'all please exit the building right now? <laughs> Imagine, there they are, clothesline, grilling, set up a camper in your front yard, and you go out in a huff. What are you doing? Well, I was driving by. This is the kind of place we've been looking for. Tell you the truth, we like the trees here. It's close to town. We've been looking for a place just like this. Did this actually happen? Well, he's you're killing my illustration, I guarantee you that. Well, I gotta ask you, how did it work out? Did you kick him off your property? Here's what you ought to do in the morning if that guy's there. If he's there, you have every right to kick him off your property. You have every right to tell him to leave. You have every right to take every action you can to get him off your property. It's your property. You as a man of God have every right to tear down strongholds in your home. If you're allowing sexuality and vulgarity on your TV, be a man and turn it off. Be a man. Are you with me? Tear down that stronghold. It's your life. It's your yard. It's your home. It is your family. Tear down strongholds. And I believe I could speak on behalf of, of all wives. They want us to do that. They want us to rise up and be the man of God. They want us to rise up and be a spiritual leader. They want us to kick the devil off our land. If you allow this, you're allowing him access, and he will make progress. He's never happy with small victories. He's interested in total dominion. Amen? Couldn't happen to you. Baptists don't bet, but I bet it could. Never happened to you. I bet it would. I bet it could and bet it would. Guard your heart. Guard your home and guard your family. How does this stronghold develop? How does the enemy suddenly find himself right in the middle of my life? I believe it happens gradually. If you hear sometime this week or sometime this month that Michael Mason fell into sin, don't you believe it? I don't think anybody falls, whoo, fell into sin, didn't see that coming. Y'all with me? I think we see it coming. Boom! Oh, good Lord, I felt it. Never saw that one coming. I bet you did. If you hear that I fell into sin, go back and look at my life for the past three months, six months, nine months, a year, a couple of years. You're going to see strongholds developing. 
They're going to be small victories. That's not his goal. He's setting me up for a fall. He's setting me up for defeat. These small victories way back here, a year or a year and a half ago, he's setting me up for defeat because back there, I'm getting confidence that I'm not going to get caught. Y'all with me? I'm getting confidence that I'm bold and brazen and it won't happen to me. Happens every day. And it happens to politicians and professional athletes. It sure does to guys in, in, on, on the main, the big screen. But it happens to guys like us too. Guard your heart. Guard your family. Protect your home. Be the hero in your house. Stand against the forces of evil. It doesn't mean your children are going to always listen to you. You may still have a prodigal. Do what's right anyway. Amen? The frog in the kettle. You drop a frog down into hot boiling water, it'll hop out. But you put a frog down into cold water and turn up the heat, and it'll stay there and it'll cook. And I'm telling you, some of us are cooking. We've allowed the devil to turn up the heat. We've allowed the enemy to turn up the heat in our homes and in our families and in our marriages, and we're just sitting there idly, not even knowing that we're cooking. What is a stronghold, and what does it look like? I do think it looks like an acre of my life. I do think it looks like somebody setting up camp in my yard. I think it looks like a foothold. If you ever played tug of war when you were kids, it's the picture of digging your heels in. And I really think that the enemy wants to dig his heels in into my life. This is what the enemy wants to happen to me and your pastor. He wants us to quit. He wants, us to, he wants to destroy our homes, destroy our families, destroy our ministries. If you're making a difference for the kingdom, you can guarantee the enemy wants you out. He's digging in. He's digging his heels in, and he's getting ready for a fight. It looks like 100 acres. It looks like renting a home. When you're renting a home, it's not yours, but you act like it is. And the devil, if he can't own you, he'll do his best to rent a room. Take up residence in, a, in an aspect of your life. It looks like kudzu. I remember I was preaching over near Sand Mountain a few years ago. I don't know what on earth I'd preached about, but a man came up to me and he said, I listen, he said, listen, I've had such trouble in my yard getting grass to grow. He said, I couldn't get anything to grow. And so he said, one day I decided to set out a little kudzu. Y'all know what kudzu is. I was telling this story in Louisiana, and they didn't get it. Are y'all with me on that? Kudzu. And he said, my goodness, there's so much kudzu now. He says, I have to mow it, seems like, every day. I'm fighting it back. And, and the picture of kudzu is if I allow a stronghold to take root, I'm giving it an opportunity to take over. What am I to do with this stuff? I'm to tear it down, and I have weapons that are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. What are these? I wrote a list this afternoon. These are the things that pop into my mind, not, not, not just the mainstream things of pornography, sexual sin, those things that make the headlines, but pride, gossip. Gossip is a stronghold. Criticism. 
You ever been around somebody that just had a critical spirit? Self-righteousness. Profanity. Listen, guys, if your mouth is lost, it's an indication your soul is too. Anger. Bitterness, unforgiveness. Envy. Revenge. Lust. Oswald Chambers said, lust means I must. I must have it, regardless of what it cost me. Worry, doubt, fear, unbelief, addictions, greed, lust, immorality. How do I tear these things down? With weapons. But what are our weapons? I got to tell you, the greatest weapon that we have is the one that I hold in my hand. God's Word is a loaded weapon. Amen? Are you reading it? And are you applying it? Are you meditating over it? Is it feeding your soul? Are you feeding your mind with the Word of God? Are you feeding your soul? Are you hungry for God's Word to nourish you? This is a weapon. I got on an elevator sometime back. I was doing some visitation for our church. And I had a little New Testament in my hand. I was in Decatur at the Decatur Morgan Hospital. And just a, just a small New Testament in my hand. And I got on there and there were a couple of ladies behind me, older ladies. And I was just waiting as we were going up to the fourth or fifth floor, I believe. And, and I heard one of the ladies say, he's got a Bible. He's got a Bible. They were talking behind my back. He's got You know what I want to do? Ah! Because you know if you carry a Bible, you're some kind of freak. No. We're not freaky for believing this thing. I'm not a fool for believing this. I'd be a fool if I didn't. Amen? I'm going to stand on it even on days when I don't understand it. I remember Billy Graham's struggle with that. He said, Lord, they're saying things that I don't understand. They're asking me questions that I can't answer. And Billy Graham decided in that crisis of his life that he was going to say, the Bible says he was going to stand on the Word of God. Guys, I'm telling you, build your life on the Word of God. Stand on it because there are going to be storms. There's going to be difficulty. You're going to have prodigal children. Anybody had a prodigal son or a daughter yet? <laughs> Me. Anybody else? A prodigal child. Man, what a rough road we go down. We're going to have problems in our marriages. We're going to have problems in our families. We're going to face disease and sickness and trouble. Man, we don't know what lies ahead. Stand on the Word of God. Build your life on it. And when the storms come... You'll stand. Prayer is a weapon. Get up every day and pray some. If you don't get up at four or five and pray for an hour, I get it. Get up and pray some. Read the Bible some and pray some every day. Worship is a weapon. You believe that? I know you do. I bet you could preach. I thought he was going to preach while I go. I thought, get off the stage. He's about to preach. 
My Lord. I could feel it. Could y'all feel it? He had to make himself sing that third song because <laughs> preaching was swelling up in him. I could see it. You're, get off the stage. I'm the preacher tonight. <laughs> Worship is a weapon. Now, I'll just tell you what I told Dawn on the way home last night. It's a compliment from what I experienced yesterday in worship. And last night was just really good worship. I said, I liked that. Let the song do the work. Just sing the song. Sing the song, sing the lyrics, sing praises to his name, and God gets in that. Don't try to make the song work. Let it work. Let God work through that lyric. Let God speak to my heart. Worship is a weapon. When I open myself up to God and I make myself vulnerable, worship God, believe God, praise God, offer Him thanksgiving, that is a weapon. You are loaded with the presence of God. Fellowship. This stuff tonight is a weapon. It is. My little men's group Bible study is getting together this Thursday night and I'm already excited about it. We meet in the garage of a guy that was an alcoholic. There's several other guys that are going to be there that have struggled with different issues in their life, and there's going to be a bunch of men in that room that come from Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, no church background, alcoholics, drug problems, this and that. A lot of problems in that room. But, man, it's going to be glorious. We're going to gather in a circle, and, and I'm going to open up the Bible, and I'm going to use a, a book by Johnny Hunt, honestly, called Demolishing Strongholds. I'm going to talk to those men about the strongholds in their life, and they're going to comment, and we're going to pray together. I'm telling you, it's going to be glorious. It is. I'm excited about it. Y'all do some of that. If you're not doing it already with a small group of men, do some of that. It becomes a weapon. Amen. I'm about done. He identifies my weaknesses. Paul says we walk in the flesh, but we don't war according to the flesh. He instructs my conscience. Paul says we are to come to him because he's attacking our imagination, our thoughts, our knowledge. He's attacking all of that. He influences my behavior. Bob Harrington was the chaplain of Bourbon Street for many years. He, for you younger guys that never knew that, there was a chapel on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And Bob Harrington was the chaplain of it. He was the pastor of it. And when I was in New Orleans Seminary, Tim, you remember Brother Chuck. Our seminary president, Chuck Kelly, was his son-in-law, Bob Harrington's son-in-law. And while I knew bits and pieces of the story, one day in class, Dr. Kelly told us the story of Bob Harrington. And he did have a chapel on Bourbon Street, and he was known worldwide. He was more famous than you can imagine as far as preachers in religious circles go. He was a mighty man of God. But to make a long story short, he fell captive to the very things that he preached against. He fell captive to the very things on the street where he had developed a chapel. Right there in the darkness of all that sin, here's a man in a white suit, if you remember seeing him. Here's a man that stood out from the crowd. He's making a difference for the kingdom. 
The devil painted a bullseye on his backside and did good and shot him down for over 20 years. He died not too long ago, but some 10 years ago at least, he was restored. You remember that? It was while Jerry Falwell was still living, and Jerry invited him to Thomas Road to preach. And this is what Bob Harrington said. It's just something that I need to be reminded of. He said, the devil stripped me of over 20 years of my life. I'm going to do everything I can to get it back, he said. Michael Mason and anybody else that needs to hear it, if the enemy gets 20 years of your life, you're never getting it back. Never. How can I keep him from getting 20 years? Don't give him 20 minutes. Don't allow him access. And if he has gained access, if he's parked his camper in your front yard, unplug the power and cut off the water. Kick him off your property. Because the last thing about this passage is he intends to destroy. I have made the commitment to the Lord that I intend to not be destroyed. I intend to end well. I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding my mind. I'm striving to be the man that God would have me to be. Am I going to be under attack? Bet your boots. Guarantee it. I'm going to be under attack. He's going to assault me. And there's a really good chance on a Monday night after a sermon like this to a bunch of guys like you, he's going to smack me around on the way home. Anybody with me? Where is it in my life that I've allowed him access? Where is there a stronghold? Is it in your family? Your marriage? Between you and your children? Is it greed or bitterness or envy or anger? Pride, what is it? I'm calling you to repentance tonight. If you've never been saved, I'm, I'm calling you to trust the Lord to save you. To save you from the power of the enemy. To know that you've been born again and to know that you'll never be lost again. To know that you have a victory power within you. The power of the Holy Spirit that enables you to overcome the devil himself. You believe that? There's a lot of preachers in here, pastors and staff. Anybody that would like to pray with somebody, there's somebody here that will pray with you. If you just need to kneel alone, I want to invite you to come and get on your knees around this thing called a stage here. Let's just kneel together or stand together and pray together. You got something you're going to sing or something you can play? Come on up. I, want, I just want to ask you if God is speaking to your heart tonight, would you, would you do what God's telling you to do? Tim's going to be down here. I'm going to be down here. And if you want to pray with either of us, man, we'd be honored just to put our hand on your shoulder and pray with you as if you were a brother. Let's bow together. Our heads are bowed. Strongholds are real, guys. Every, everyone in this room knows of another man 
that has been defeated by the power of some kind of stronghold. The enemy got a small victory on the way to one day domination. Friend, if the enemy has small victories in your life, I, I encourage you tonight to confess those things. Bring it to God. Bring your thoughts captive. Bring your sin. Bring yourself. And bow in His presence. And I think it encourages us to come and kneel and bow together at a makeshift altar meeting with God and calling out our needs to Him. Father, save those who are lost tonight. They've never trusted You as Savior to forgive and restore. So God, tonight I pray for any man in this room that doesn't know you. God, I pray for men who are not lost, but they've lost their way. They've drifted. They've compromised somewhere. They allowed something in that should have never been in. So Lord, tonight help us. We may not be able to go back and change what we've done or what we've said but we can start over tonight we can begin doing the right thing right now so help us be men men of God men who love our wives and our children our families our church and God men who love you lead us to a place of repentance I pray in Jesus name Amen. Would you stand? Some of you that are leaders in the church, would you lead the way just to find a place to pray here and maybe other men will join us as well. As we sing, let's pray.